Welcome to Tech Down, the weekly podcast discussing technology and other nerd-related topics. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron. Aaron, how are you doing this week, man? Aaron. Aaron is having a great week. How's your week going, man? Uh, it, there's an echo. You you are, in fact, Aaron, right? I didn't call yes. the wrong person. Yeah, I want to make sure that was clear right up front. You're dealing with Aaron Comp, not that other Tech Down co-host, Adam Comp. But how's Adam's week going? Adam's week is uh, going great. Today is uh, Christmas, of course. The, the yes. blessed day where Apple uh, tells us how uh, the, the stuff that we have bought from them last year is now complete junk, and we have to buy all new stuff. Um, that's basically what Christmas is, right? Yeah, and not to be confused with Christmas in June, which is WWDC, or Christmas in December, which is Christmas. Yeah, this is <laughs> <laughs> Christmas in September, the most important of all the Christmases. Yeah, it's a, definitely a, a pretty big one. We've we've got a lot to talk about this episode. Apple made a lot of announcements. Um, but first, we have a little bit of follow-up to hit, um, starting with, I'm sad to say, uh, Comp Bowl 2017. Um, if you are a frequent listener to Tech Down, you'll know that Aaron and I are in the same fantasy football league. We uh, happened to play against each other the first week of the season, which was this past weekend, and uh, he absolutely demolished me. Uh, it beat me by something like 35 points, um, and uh, yeah, my hat's off to you. You just absolutely crushed it. I didn't stand a chance. Thanks, man. Yeah, you really doubted me on my uh, my strategy last episode, but I'm feeling like it paid off. You're a fantasy football genius. Yeah. Don't let anyone say otherwise. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my, my whole strategy had been back one team entirely, so I chose the Green Bay uh, Packers, uh, headed up by QB A.A. Ron Rodgers. And I got to say, very happy with the offense of uh, Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, uh, I'm not sure he really did it for me this game. Yeah, I had uh, Matt Stafford on my bench, and that would have been the better move to have in. But, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the point spread. So um, congratulations on a game well fought, uh, and I... I have to say it's a it's a high bar for me to uh, meet for the rest of this uh, this season. So we'll see how I do <laughs> after this. It might mm-hmm. be all downhill from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this strategy worked out better than your previous strategy of auto-drafting your team, I would say. So kudos. Yeah. You know what else is funny is your, uh, your, your strategy of going with all Green Bay Packers, uh, a, a, a solid one in retrospect. I have a Packer on my team also, and he did jack for me. Yes. So I, I don't know if you just got in Aaron Rodgers' ear and told him not to throw to my guy, but uh, yeah, it didn't work out so well for me. Yeah, well, there's always next week. Who are you playing uh, this this next game? Oh my gosh, I don't. Let's see. Um, I just had it up too. Ah, uh, the uh, my my rivals, Bradley's best team. Ooh, I'm also playing a Brad this week. I'm playing against uh, Brad Puggy. Well, the Pew good, Daddy. Good luck to you. Good luck to me. I am definitely going to need it. Yeah, and good luck to these Brads. No. No? All right. They don't need luck. Um. Okay, so other things to talk about. Uh, You and I went on a date. 
Um, we we actually went to the cinema and saw a movie together. Um, the remake of Stephen King's It. Um, which this is the first movie I think that you and I have ever gone to see just the two of us in the theater. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. And it was, it was a doozy, man. Like I gotta say, I was pretty psyched to see this movie. We talked about it up front a little bit and it sounded like this one was not quite as, uh, on your radar as it was for me, but I was amped to see this. I had read the original Stephen King it book. We have a DVD of the old movie which took place 27 years ago, coincidentally, a reoccurring theme in the movie. Um, Yeah, so I was jazzed to see this. I made it known to my wife, Mary Beth, how excited I was. And uh, in response, she went ahead and bought two tickets to go see it and uh, gave one to you so that she did not have to go. She was so uh, determined not to see this movie, she paid not to go. So yeah. I, I got I to gotta give it up to uh, Mary Beth for that. Friend of the show, Mary Beth Kump. It worked out great for me because my wife was never going to see this movie with me uh, if she could help it. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was, I was able to go and see it in the theater with you and have a really good time. Um, my whole thing with my wife is that she really hate seeing scary movies. I like it around this time of year, like leading into Halloween because it gets you in the right uh, frame of mind. Totally. And so like all October, I will try to get her to watch a handful of scary movies that hopefully aren't just torture porn. But uh, yeah, so we might've seen this one eventually some October in the future, but Next to you, I got to see it too. Um, so uh, it, it was right in your crosshairs, like you said. Uh, what did you What did you think of the remake? I liked it a lot. I thought it was very cool. So I mean, I it's hard for me to say if you were not at all uh, acquainted to Stephen King's it, you know, in the past, if you would be as engaged with this. In fact, you would actually be a great person to ping that question off of. I was coming into it with an understanding of the story, and I'd seen a previous version of it. So I kind of like knew the beats of the story and I still ended up really, really enjoying it. I thought they did a great job with the monster, the clown. Uh, I thought he was great. Um, The previous uh, uh, guy who played it, um, Curry, uh, Tim Curry, uh, obviously. Yeah, Steph Curry. Yeah, multi-talented. Now, uh, Tim Curry, he, he like did a hell of a job. You know, that was definitely the, the definitive performance in it. I don't think there was another attempt to recreate it, but definitely uh, is everyone's um, mental image when they think of it. They think of that that clown. So this version, I think, uh, looked very similar, um, but I was really happy with how how he kind of moved around on the screen. It was very creepy and unsettling. Um, but for as good as the monster was, I was really, really impressed with the cast of kids in this one. Like I thought the cast was really the emotional heart of it, these kids. Um, and just their interaction, their interplay of the group. And that was really what like compelled me through the story. I liked, um, the ups and downs, the kids stories took like when they would fight and just the, you know, I was reading a nice, um, article, I think Vox put out about how children make great protagonists for horror movies, because when it's an adult and they hear a noise down the hallway and they're like, Oh, I should go check that out as the audience. You're like, no, you idiot. There's a killer. But a kid, they don't know any better. Like, they don't have that sense of self-preservation. They hear a noise. They're going to go check it out. So kids make really effective horror movie protagonists. Um, and I totally agree. I was really happy with how it turned out. And it was really cool that we were able to do a bro date to go see it. So thanks for being a sport, man. 
Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah, I uh, am not familiar with it at all. Never seen the uh, original movie, or I think there was a miniseries also. It It's the same thing, yeah. I think it was a miniseries. It was like a two-parter thing. Oh, is that? Okay. Um, never read the book. Um, I was familiar with it insofar as I knew it was about a scary-ass clown, and I think that if you want to see a scary-ass clown movie, like, look no further. This this one is going to do it for you. Um, what about Killer Clowns from Mars? You would pick this one over that one? Okay. Uh, full disclosure, I have not seen all scary-ass clown movies. <laughs> so I can't, like, I, I can't say which one is best, but I know that if that is your thing, then this will uh, this will definitely do it for you. There may Scratch be others. Scratch that itch. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that, the the clown guy Bill Skarsgård did an amazing job being just creepy as hell, um, and uh, the the kid from uh, Stranger Things, I I can't remember his name. Uh, I've got IMDb up. Finn Finn Wolfhard, uh, he also was uh, a totally endearing character and was hilarious and I loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. I think my problems with the movie were mostly uh, like just problems that I typically have with horror movies uh, in that I didn't think that people acted rationally, um, which you said. Oh, I agree. Because, yeah. of, because they're kids, which I guess I could kind of see that. Although my kid runs away <laughs> and hides his face in my, in my shirt anytime he gets scared. Um, your kid would like make it out through the end of the movie, you know. <laughs> that's that's the kid you want to have. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it it started to feel kind of samey after a while to me. Like it was, oh, this kid is alone, and they get attacked by a clown, and they escape just barely, and that happened like a dozen times in the movie, which I th- I think started to uh started to get a little bit old, even though it was you know mildly terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, there's a whole second movie of that, man. Is there? What? what oh, the the next It movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, it wasn't my favorite. I had a really good time, though, and would definitely go on a scary-ass movie date with you again, if you were to ask. Just putting that out there. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know, I don't know what it was about this one in particular, because Mary Beth is normally my scary movie buddy. Like, we saw the Paranormal Activity movies, Sinister, a bunch of different ones. But this one in particular, she was super not interested in seeing. So maybe there's, like, a, a little bit of clown phobia there. Yeah. I'm sure there's an actual word for that. I don't know what it is. Yeah, uh, could be. Um, something else I wanted to bring up. Uh, that might have contributed to uh, me not enjoying the movie as much as I could have. Um, did you notice how many people in the movie were on their phone? Oh my God. Yeah, there's there's something going on there. Like I, I love, like just as a tangent, a little context around this, we went to the uh, Imagine Royal Oak and I love going to Imagine Theaters. The closest one to us is Canton. I've always had... Uh, mostly I've had a great experience when I go there, but the Royal Oak one, like people are just disrespectful to the rest of the audience. Like not just checking their phone, seeing if they got a text and putting it away, like just idly being on Snapchat, things like that. Like as the movie's going on, like that was so bizarre to me and nobody like did anything about it either, which I mean, I didn't, but (laughs) 
like I, I kept expecting at some point like someone to like come in and like with the flashlight thing and like point it at these people or like for them to stop but like why would you go to the front row of a movie and have your phone up on maximum brightness the entire time like that was really strange to me yeah so i definitely noticed that was annoyed by it um and it definitely took me out of it a little bit i, I put my leg up i don't know if you noticed so that it would block that asshole so like i i slouched in the chair and put brought my uh foot into my butt so my knee stuck up and blocked him from my vis- uh from my field of vision because i was so annoyed like like you said he wasn't just uh like checking messages as i came in he was like on snapchat just idly checking stories and flipping through it and so i mean that's that's kind of bad like you know whatever why are you paying you know 10 bucks or whatever to go see a movie if you're just gonna flip through snapchat the whole time um but his phone wasn't uh on make a noise every time you receive a notification and it wasn't on vibrate it was on flash your lights mode. oh my god did you that notice what that it was i yes. thought like he was taking pictures or something like no that. every time he would get a notification his flash on his phone would go off in a dark movie theater um and so like that guy was the worst. There were a couple other people. Person next to me checked their phone a couple of times, which it's not the end of the world. Um, but like I would usually say something to someone like that. Um, but, but we were outnumbered. Well, the, the way that the movie theater was set up, um, like it's these big comfy chairs in the Imagine that recline, and so it's not like you can like even reach and tap somebody on the shoulder. You would have to like really reach in order to get somebody. And so like the only way to really get someone's attention is to like get out of your seat and go around and like stand in front of them, which is really confrontational uh, in that situation and might lead to you getting uh, punched or worse. So yeah, that definitely crossed my mind. Anyway, um, cell phones are contributing to the downfall of society, in my opinion, and uh, definitely hindered my enjoyment of the movie. Yeah, that that just baffled me. Like I, it, personal practice that when I enter a movie theater, just turn the phone off. You know, like I don't even put it on silent or vibrate anything like that. Like the phone is off. I put my watch into theater mode because that's a thing as of Watch OS three. Like it's just so disrespectful and selfish to like go into a dark movie theater and like continuously check your phone like once to me is like oh that's kind of rude but like at at this level it was just nuts Uh, um and i will say it's not the worst movie theater experience i've had the worst was someone who just would continually talk the entire movie (laughs) like i'm not joking i'm not saying like a new segment of the movie would start like a new scene i'm saying every scene change every time the camera would jump from one character to the other as they're having a conversation this person would have to make a comment and that was definitely the worst movie experience i've ever been in that was like a pre-release movie screening too which is like why are you here if you're not like passionate to see this movie what what was the movie it was one of the x-men movies i think it was the sequel uh might have been some age of future past something like that Mm. um and i i was that that was I was so enraged the entire time. This was like bad, but it was not that level of horribleness. But it's just, I just don't understand the mind frame of like, why would you spend money and come here and ruin it for everybody else? Uh, Because it was definitely distracting. Yep, you're right. People are the worst. Um, But in 
brighter and lighter news, our last uh, piece of follow-up is that you got a new fun technology product and I think had set it up right before yeah. we went and saw the movie. And so since that time, you've been able to play with uh, a new Eero uh, Wi-Fi setup. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if this is the first you're hearing about it, Eero is a, a router system where it's multiple components that make up this mesh network. So just like uh, the Apple um, Express that I had before this, you just plug it into your router and you leave it in your office or your entertainment area, wherever it is. Um, but then you have these satellite like mini routers that you put in different areas of your house where you get like decreased signal. So if your router and your, uh, um, again, I had an airport, it's like on the far end of the house, you might not get that great of uh, Wi-Fi coverage on the opposite end of the house, but you can stick one of these little Euro boxes over there and they will communicate to each other and propagate the network across the entire like area. Um, so I just found a, a really good, um, I had a price a price tracker on the Eero system on Amazon. So they dip below $300 for the outgoing model, just the Euros. They have a newer Euro Pro that they recently announced, um, but that's much more expensive. So the uh, Euros hit a price point that I was comfortable with. I had a Amazon gift card that I was able to use. So I got these for a pretty reasonable price. Um, and like you mentioned, like I set them up right before we went to the movie. I think they got delivered from Amazon like 30 minutes before I had to leave. And they were completely set up by the time I left. Like the setup process was extremely quick, extremely easy. They walk through placement as well to make sure you're maximizing um, where you put it in any given room or just like how far away they are from each other. So for instance, and this kind of, I, I careful to admit this cause this might make, not make me look that great. Like I replaced these cause we weren't super thrilled with the airport. And when I replaced it and put it down where the airport had been on this, uh, filing cabinet, which is metal, um, the arrow app is like, Hey, make sure you don't set this thing next to anything that's metal, like next to on top of under inside of whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. I don't care about that. And I ran the speed test feature that Eero has in the app. It's telling me that I'm getting like 20 megabytes down, which is not very good. You know, I'm paying for like a hundred or so. So I'm like, that's actually surprisingly bad. And I picked it up off the metal filing cabinet and put it next to the desk, uh, wood desk right next to it. And ran the speed test again, and I got 120 megabytes down. So I don't know <laughs> if there was anything necessarily wrong with the airport, um, but I'm, I'm getting great Wi-Fi coverage now due to that one small placement issue. So uh, that that was like a fun, a little quirk to figure out. Um, but overall, like I've been really impressed with the Eero system. Like it's it's a slick app that you have that lets you monitor all the devices that are uh, on your network. And more than that, I mentioned that you can run the speed test for the whole network, but you can also see the uplink and downlink on a per, uh, per device basis. So as we're running Netflix on the living room TV, I can go into the Eero app and click on the living room TV device and see how much data is getting, you know, um, broadcast down to that device and it's like sending up as well. Uh, so that's like a neat little feature just to see, you know, are you you know, maybe, you know, it, it, it helped when we were watching Plex, for instance, and it capped out of like three megabytes. And then we went to the Apple TV and it was doing like 20 megabytes or something like that. And so overall, the quality was much better on the Apple TV. 
And it's cool being able to see that level of granularity like per device too. Uh, so I've only had the Eros for a little bit, but so far it seems really cool. And the, the coverage I get is amazing. It's like not just my house, but the entire uh, um, neighborhood, like the lot. Yeah, basically the entire neighborhood. Like the big <laughs> deal for the Eero is I put one in my garage because I have a outdoor uh, smart switch that I have my pool pump plugged into. So I can use the home app on my iPhone to turn the pool pump on and off, which is nice. But it was like far enough out in my backyard that the Apple TV like didn't have great reception. Um, but these Eros, now they're rock solid. Like every device on the network has like four or five bars of coverage. Like I've been really pleased with it. And I got a good deal on it too. That's really cool, man. Uh, Eros, something that's been on my radar for a while. And it sounds like you got a really nice speed bump that may or may not be because of the routers. And uh, much improved coverage, which is definitely because of the routers. Um, I'll be interested to hear how your Wi-Fi situation progresses as time goes on. Cause, uh, I mean, my internet is spotty at times, we'll say. And I basically buy everything that is advertised on any podcast. So, yeah, I know. I'm um, such a great podcast listener. I just, <laughs> I hear an ad and I'm like, okay, I'll go buy that. Yeah. You know, I never subscribe or to like uh bonus features for any of my favorite podcasts, but basically everything that's ever been subscribed or, or advertised on a podcast I listen to, I've bought it. Like I've got a, a Casper mattress, blue apron food, um, bunch of other stuff in there too. Yeah. I'm sure you got more. Yeah. Um, audible for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I am very happy for you. You are a savvy buyer with your Amazon alerts. I wasn't aware that was a thing that you can do. So that might have to be something that I set up. Quick plug. Yeah, that's uh, through a service called Camel, Camel, Camel. Uh, and I have a Chrome plugin called the Camelizer. It's awesome. If you have something, for instance, off the wire cutter that is like not a must have, like I need to buy this immediately, like you can kind of wait it out put a price watch on it. And then as it drops in price, you'll get an email alert. And then you can kind of get some context for, is this a good price? Is it not a good price? It's really good for around Black Friday time because you'll see a lot of deals. Um, But a lot of times there'll be like a price hike shortly before Black Friday. So it drops 20% and you're like, oh, 20%, that's awesome. But in context, it's like the normal price. So Camel, Camel, Camel gives you a nice price graph and you can see, is this actually a nice price? Or is this something where it's been artificially artificially inflated and now it's like normal sticker price or something like that? So I definitely recommend uh, the Camelizer in particular. Mm, caramelizer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm, uh, good tip. Um, I think that we have foreplayed for long enough, though. You want to dive into this uh, this Apple event? I do. Oh, man, this is so fresh. Like, I'm, I'm worried that I haven't retained everything yet. I was, I was trying to do a little bit of a catch-up before, right before we jumped on to record, so. Yeah? Yeah, how, we'll, we'll see how we do here. Really quick question before we dive in. Um, how do you watch these events? What's, what's your setup like? What's your, what's your routine? Because you're, you're at the office, I know, but other right. than that, I'm not, not really sure. Yeah. So uh, typically uh, the life of the time I've been at uh, my company, um, we watch the events together as a team. We hang out in a conference room. Uh, We bring our lunches because it's usually around lunchtime. 
and then we all just kind of like watch the event as it happens. Uh, and this this event was no different. Uh, I have a new team now. I think we've talked about that briefly on the podcast. Um, and we kind of made it like a new tradition that now we're going to watch all these like Apple and Google uh, keynotes as they come out. I think it's like a really good opportunity to bond as a team, like watch something that's applicable to what we're working on and just get a glimpse of like what's what's new and exciting. And, you know, uh, in this case, like what phones are our clients going to be running like our new products on? Like what do we have to target for those top of the line customers? So I think it's a really good opportunity to just kind of get into that headspace a little bit. Yeah, uh, I used to when I worked at Quicken Loans, uh, which was basically the same place that you're at now, family of companies and and all that. Um, I watched the event with the team as well, which is really cool because you're in a room full of people who are enthusiastic about technology and you can talk about stuff and uh, it's a really neat experience. Um, since I've been working from home for the past couple of years, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lone wolf now. So with these Apple events, I spend a lot more time uh, watching on the Apple TV and uh, just m- maybe doing a little bit of chatting on Slack and maybe checking Twitter. This year, though, I did something different, which I think really helped uh, how much I enjoyed the Apple event, which was on Twitter, as soon as anybody made a smart-ass comment, uh, I muted them immediately <laughs> for the day. And I, I pinned my Twitter feed to the top, and uh, it, uh, it was absolutely... It was it was really nice. Um, I don't really have a problem with people saying negative things about Apple, but recently it seems like it's been this uh, this game where everybody who watches these events just tries to have the snarkiest, smarmiest comment uh, on Twitter. That yeah. it, and it's just completely asinine and it's annoying and nobody thinks that you're funny. Um, oh, you so. you are one hundred percent correct about that. Absolutely, and we had a meta conversation at work about this today, where we recognized the exact same thing as we were doing it. Like Apple announces, uh, like X product, and it does A, and it does B, and it does C, and then you're like, oh, blah blah blah. Why doesn't it do four? You know, and then as Apple's announcing it. They're running through what they're doing and they're like, and it even, you know, and we thought about four and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like Apple is at this point where they're cognizant of this, like, almost like blowback slash splashback kind of like jokey mentality that happens where they almost tee up the comments that people are going to make. It's like, oh, Android did that first, blah, blah, blah. And then they smash that away. Like I saw that happen time and time again during this event where someone would make some smarmy comment. I can't think of a specific example right now for these features. Um, But then not like two breaths later, somebody in the keynote brings up and addresses that exact point that was brought up in the room. Like I feel like Apple's caught on to this game and now they're presenting their, uh, like their presentations in such a way that they tee this up and then destroy that comment as it happens, which like maybe is kind of, uh, you know, better suited for a group setting. And so that a little bit of that uh, is lost, like in the work from home situation. Um, or if you're muting the people who make those smarmy comments, so you don't see them as often, but I actually feel like multiple times this event, Apple was ready for this situation. Um, I am just looking up the definition of smarmy. 
because I'm not sure we're using it correctly. Yeah, what what is the definition? It's a bad thing, right? You don't want to be smarmy. Uh, ingratiating and wielding in a way that is perceived as insin- insin- insincere or excessive. Yeah, so that's not really what we're trying to say. We're trying to say uh, just uh, like derisive comments. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. Just the negativity. Anyway, I'm glad that uh, Apple is countering that a little bit for you, and uh, we've both been able to combat that in our own way. Um, But Apple event 2017, you want to just run blow by blow, see where that takes us? Yeah, for sure. All right, so this was the first event to be held at the new Steve Jobs Theater on Apple campus, and uh, it started with a very nice tribute to Steve Jobs. Uh, it was kicked off by the the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, which I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I thought that was really nice. I know Steve Jobs was a big Beatles fan, um, and uh, Tim Tim Cook uh, acknowledging everything that Steve Jobs had done for the company, for the industry. Um, they, they played a quote by Steve Jobs, a recording that, uh, was really touching and felt like they spent basically the exact right amount of time acknowledging, um, Steve and what he meant for the tech industry and what he meant for the company without belaboring it or milking it. Uh, too much so i don't know if you had any thoughts about how they they kick things off there no not so much about that like it this was you know taking place in the steve jobs theater at the new apple park campus and this was the first keynote that they did there so i think it was not just touching but very fitting that they uh you know uh you know um called back to steve and his attitude and just his dna that they imbued into the company um and i thought that was really really appropriate in this event. The thing that um, I was not expecting them to mention actually was the uh, recent um, like uh, natural disasters that have been taking place all over the United States. Uh, so like they, uh, Tim went ahead and referenced Houston and what's been going on in Florida. I don't know if he mentioned the wildfires. I don't recall that. Um, but I was actually kind of surprised to hear about that. So um, it was that like something you were anticipating to hear. Uh, they took the opportunity to mention like a donation system that they have set up as well. Um, but that one was a total surprise to me. I actually kind of expected them to make a token reference to the fact that this was the inaugural uh, event that they're doing at the Steve Jobs Theater. But I didn't think they'd call out current events quite in the way that they did. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know that I expected it, but uh, it's not um, out of character for Apple, I would say. They are definitely aware of uh, causes like um, like um, natural disasters and climate change and solar power and that sort of thing. So um, I, I, I was fine with it. I thought it was a, uh, a nice thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then after a nice amount of time spent uh, talking about um, Steve Jobs and some political issues, they jumped right into what well, we were all there to hear um, updates about Apple stores. 
Yeah. Did you have anything, any thoughts on this segment of the talk? Anything that stood out? Hell yes, I do. All right, lay it on me. The thought I have is this is the first thing that I incorrectly announced happening in June during our WWDC draft <laughs> that Angela Arntz would be on stage uh, specifically. Well, I just said Angela Arntz appearance, but that was right around when they rolled out the Today at Apple uh, stuff that they're doing now um, since since the summer began. And she was on stage today to talk about uh, Today at Apple for the first time. So I feel like this was the first of multiple times where I was a little um, ahead of the the, the ball. Um, and I incorrectly uh, thought that she would be showing up in June. Um, but, you know, she took her time and she got to the, uh, the Apple Park Steve Jobs Theater here in September. And we're hearing about it now. So... That was my main thought. She, uh, while she was up there, she talked about the cool things that today at Apple's doing, um, like specific uh, audiences that they're catering to. That uh, one of the things that she called out was specifically local educators, getting them up to speed on the technology that Apple supports, which is really cool because Apple um, is, you know, pretty involved in the educational market. Um, and that was neat. The other thing was a couple flagship stores that they're talking about. So one that's on Michigan Avenue in Chicago that looks gorgeous. I think there was a couple others that uh, she referenced. So I think this was cool that she was up on stage and was there to announce uh, these new dates that they're opening these flagship stores and like some some uh, philosophical changes for the Apple Store too. So. For one thing, we've already heard that they they're not referring to these internally as stores. They're just calling these, you know, Apple, meet me at Apple. And now more um specifically instead of store, they're calling these what was it, town centers? Is that right? Dude, I couldn't tell you. They've got yeah. stupid names for everything in these stores mm-hmm. and it drove me crazy. Like they really want this to be like a uh integral like piece of the fabric of your city, basically, where like you can't go through the month without spending some time at Apple in, you know, wherever you live. Uh, And that seems to be the goal. uh, And they're definitely moving in that direction. And I think it's cool. I've been in some of these really cool uh, Apple stores, like the one closest to us is in the 12 Oaks Mall. And that's just like your typical Apple store in a mall. It's just like, you know, your your normal... (laughs) mall store but it's got glass walls on the outside Um, but i've also been to like the really neat ones out in san francisco that definitely seem like they're more of the uh like new variety and those are cool so i wouldn't mind checking out one of these new flagship stores um and i understand why they're speaking to them but that's not (laughs) why i was watching the keynote so that that was my thought on it yeah I, i don't know just uh it was it was fine but the crazy terminology i found kind of grating what aren't they like not referring to things as aisles like they're avenues yeah stuff Some, like that yeah oh and there was something else like uh like your um like the display cabinet that's refreshed seasonally is called like something else it's not storefront i forget what it is but yeah there's they're just trying to sub out a bunch of these words create their own like apple vocabulary which don't blame them for doing. It's a very Apple-y move. We'll see uh, how much it, you know, how quickly it ends up getting uh, taken up by uh, the popular vernacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, fair point. Um, all right, so lesson learned. If you are making predictions for an Apple event, uh, wait and do it three months later. 
Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I get out of this. Um, next, Apple hit on uh, updates to the Apple Watch. They introduced a new Series 3 as well as uh, a couple new features that are pretty exciting. What what stood out to you here? Uh, this one I had to go back and rewatch quickly, and I realized there was a couple things that I missed on the first go-around. Uh, there was at least two bands that are coming out for this. One is uh, very similar to the, uh, is it pronounced Milanese, Milanese Loop? Uh, where that's like a magnetic band that kind of just uh, wraps around itself. There's no real clasp that you have to do, no buckle. Um, they're doing a similar uh, concept to their like, uh, um, I'm, try- I'm forgetting now what it is, but one of their more athletic bands, what it's called. Um, and it's it's very similar where it looks cool. I think it's the nylon strap, uh, but this time it is magnetic, so it'll stick to itself. And then there was also a, new fancy Hermes band as well that I just saw a friend of the show, Renee Ritchie, uh, linked to not too long ago. Um, so there there was a couple of neat new accessories uh, that came out for the Apple Watch that I don't think I'm uh, necessarily interested in. I'm glad that I can continue my Apple Watch band collection if I do yes. get this new one because there was... I don't think anyone was necessarily uh, predicting that Apple would break... Um, compatibility with the older bands i think that would be a little silly but there were definitely people who suspected there'd be like a refresh to the look of the apple watch and i don't think we saw that like i don't think they thinned out the body of it or anything quite like that so really quick before we get off of bands uh i think the nylon bands look amazing and the magnetic one one. Uh, you know i think just the nylon in general looks really cool um, so I think if I were to get a new Apple watch band and potentially a new Apple watch, um, that would be right up my alley. I agree with you. I think it's awesome that they, uh, built this new Apple watch in such a way that, uh, that your bands are still carry over with it, which, uh, People would definitely be pissed if Apple wouldn't let you use old Apple Watch bands on your new Apple Watch. Um, but I don't think Apple really cares <laughs> in a lot of yeah. ways uh, some of the times about if they are pissing people off by um, making their old stuff incompatible with the new. So, yeah, it was definitely good to see that. Um, on, on the software side, I was... I thought the uh, heart monitoring improvements that they are announcing, I don't know, is it just part of iOS or watchOS 3? What is the new watchOS? watchOS 4? I forget Um, which one we're on now. I feel like it's 3. Yeah, but they are um, making a whole bunch of updates to, yeah, good thing this isn't our full-time job. But but they're just (laughs) making updates um, to detect basically heart abnormalities, which could potentially save lives in the future. They mentioned um, AFib detection, which is a huge issue. Um, And I know of someone who was recently diagnosed with AFib. And so looked it up and it's like, I think 200,000 people in the US every year are diagnosed with AFib, something something crazy. Um, So this is uh, is gonna be really cool for this. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
other thing on the software side that I took note of that I'm really excited about is they mentioned a skiing slash snowboarding tracking app or enhancement to existing apps. So maybe like a ski slash snowboard workout or maybe standalone app. Um, And as somebody who does winter sports, I am uh, very excited about that. Yeah, that is uh, really neat. Yeah, I saw there was, I think it was part of the HomePod leak because it's been out there for a little while now, but they did uh, uncover Stephen Stroud Smith and whatever the other guy's name is. I think it's like Rambo something. Uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, I'll get your name right next time. Yeah, Rambo's they tag- his last name. Oh, is John. that what it is? John's John- his first name. John, yeah. They, they've been doing a hell of a job over the summer just uh digging in, doing surgery on uh, the HomePod firmware and the iOS 11 Gold Master leak that we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. John Rambo, of course. Um, and uh, uh, I think this was one of the things that was uh, kind of rumored that Apple was working on and had been confirmed uh, as so much as you can in the leak that it was coming. Um, so it was really cool to see confirmation of that. One of the things that also was announced was some uh, improvements to the heart rate monitoring where now it will track your resting heart rate, uh, um, which is pretty cool. And you mentioned it will detect am, uh, um, like situations where you're just kind of like hanging out. You're not doing anything that strenuous, but you have a spike of uh, abnormal heart rate. Like they will alert you to that. Like before, if you were proactive enough to check out your heart rate, like it actually did save people's lives where they went to the doctor after the fact. Now Apple will be alerting you to the fact as it uh, happens that your heart rate's spiking. And I think that's really neat because actually our little brother Austin was born with a heart murmur. Um, And I don't know if that's still like a ongoing issue that he has to deal with. I know he gets a little red in the face when he runs around too much. But this is the kind of thing that, as a parent, I would like to be able to slap an Apple Watch under you know this kid's wrist and say like, be able to review the heart rate that you're getting and yeah. see if there are any of those weird spikes. It, it's um, the kind of feature that's going to save lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and to that point, like I almost feel like they downplayed the significance of it, or just like put it out there and let you like digest on it. It's like, oh, this can like really impact people's quality of life. You know, like there's been uh, talk about um, blood blood monitoring too like uh glucose levels for diabetes uh, patients and that that didn't get announced this go around and maybe won't for a little while but that's a similar aspect where like that's not that's not like a box you're checking on features that's like in serious enhancement to how you live your life like that's those these are the things that are really really neat yeah but the the biggest announcement that apple made about the apple watch is that the crown is now red. On, on specific models, though, right? Uh, only on... So the red crown indicates the cellular that connectivity. The, the red crown did? Yeah, oh. that leaked in iOS 11 Goldmaster because on the Apple Watch setup page, like that's the Apple Watch that uh, they show now, the one with the red crown. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Bummer. That, that, okay, that's, everything leaked. That's a recurring theme of this event, unfortunately, was there wasn't a lot of surprises. Yeah. Like, had we gone into this one dark, it would have been extremely exciting, like, in the moment, like, really, really cool. But but so cellular data is r- really exciting um, I, I, and makes me actually think about updating my Apple Watch as somebody who goes out and runs all the mm-hmm. time, and I have to uh, strap my uh, 
strap my phone to my arm and I actually like wore off part of my, uh, my, my, uh, inner arm the other day because I had, had it strapped on too tight and my, my thing was kind of slipping down. So, um, if I didn't have to take my phone and I could still like make and receive calls in an emergency and, uh, stream music, um, then that might definitely be something that I would want. Only downside is it doesn't seem like listening to, uh, apps like, um, or, or listening to your podcast through third-party apps like Overcast is something that's going to be supported. Or did I just oh, really? completely miss that? Well, they were talking about third-party apps, and they brought up WeChat. Is that like specific categories of apps will be supported, or what? Oh, uh, uh, maybe. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's a good point. I I know that Marco didn't he take out the phone yeah. streaming support recently? Also, yeah, he worked really hard on that. Uh, yeah. it was yeah, you could play audio from the watch independently of the app on the overcast watch app. Uh, and it was so error prone and buggy that he ended up removing the feature and said he regretted developing it, uh, which is a bummer, but maybe this is the kind of feature that re enables that Avenue, you know? Yeah. Um, if it were something that I would be able to do, listen to my podcasts while I'm on a run without wires and without taking my phone with me, um, this might be something that I kind of need to pull the trigger on, but until then, um, I think I can hold off, um, the phone or the, uh, the watch is what we're talking about. Um, starts off at three ninety nine for cellular, um, for the smaller size and the larger one is four twenty nine. I forgot that watches even came in two sizes. Um, or you can get a regular series three with no cellular connectivity for three ninety nine. Um, they are available for pre-order September 15th, ship September 22nd, which is the same for basically all of the products announced at this, uh, at this event. Um, but the thing that is most interesting to me that I can't find any information anywhere on is if there will be a monthly fee for right. this, cause they didn't, they didn't bring it up at all. And there's nothing on the marketing pages about this. Yeah. And I, I figured that's the kind of thing that the carriers will be salivating to use as like a, uh, a feature to set themselves apart from each other where Verizon, well, you're paying for the network, you know, you're going to be paying like, for instance, $20 a month, hypothetically for this additional device on your plan to use your same phone number where I, uh, imagine the T-Mobile response will be, Let's have another uncarrier event where we announce this is something that's free if you're a T-Mobile customer. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to chip in $150 towards the purchase of a new Apple Watch. Yeah, ex- that's that seems like such a T-Mobile move. Yep, yeah, exactly. I have one last thing I wanted to talk about with the Apple Watch. Uh, and this is something that I just saw in a recap video and was over the moon about, so excited. Uh, and that's because I always, I habitually park at the very top floor of my parking garage and then i take the stairs all the way down 10 flights and then walk to my building um and now with i hopefully it's not limited to series three um but the new apple watch will support the ability to track um uh how many flights of stairs you walk down as part of uh i think just probably like a workout not just normally um which is super exciting for me because that's something that I feel like, you know, I've been watching my heart rate for a long time as I go down the steps. And this has been an evolution. I got a lot of crap because I used to share my activity with a coworker. And every morning I would start a workout for like five minutes as I walked down the steps of my parking garage. And then I would end the activity 
and you share your activity with all your friends. So, uh, um, I would always get crap about that. So what I started doing was just tracking my heart rate as I walked down the steps and that effectively did the same thing. And now it will actually track how many flights of stairs I go down, which I think is just puts it over the top. I'm really, really excited about that feature in particular. Um, and hopefully that's something that my existing watch does, but if it doesn't, I'm in the future or I'm looking into one of these Siri three watches in the future. Um, but I'm really undecided about LTE or non LTE. Hmm. All right. Well, stay tuned. We'll have to see how much of a hit to your pocketbook this ends up being. Yeah. Um, next at the Apple event was uh, a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. And that is the Apple TV. Uh, they announced a Apple TV 4k with HDR support. Um, again, you can order September 15th. It ships September 22nd. Uh, these cost $179 or $199 for 32 or 64 gigabyte configurations, um, which I don't know why anybody would need the 64 gig configuration, but it's, yeah. it's there if you want it. Um, they had some cool demos, um, a couple uh, a couple other small enhancements other than the 4K and HDR, but uh, any of this excite and entice you? Yeah, this is uh, something where, unfortunately, I had a uh, conference call, a meeting that I had to jump on no. right in the middle of this part of the event. So from my initial walkthrough of the event, Eddie Q was not a part of it at all. I missed this entire segment. And you missed jumped Eddie? Back in. Yeah, I jumped right <laughs> in as they were starting to announce the iPhone, which looking back, if I had to choose it, would be the part where I had to step out from my call. Um, yeah, but I had to like go back and rewatch this which I, I guess I feel like I didn't miss a whole lot. Like I'm excited to get these new Apple uh, TVs that support 4K because I have 4K TVs, but it's not like a top priority. Like now I'm at the point where I'm starting to prioritize these purchases. Nice. Um, and this is, I think, at the, the bottom rung of that ladder. At the bottom. So this might actually end up being the most expensive segment of the night for me because... It basically made me wish that I had a 4K TV <laughs> yeah. to hook one of these up to, which oh, is no. not the case right now. Um, so we'll see where that gets us. Um, I put a bug in my wife's ear about that um, and then uh, just planted the seed and we'll let it linger. Um, other cool things that got announced, though, uh, were an update to the processor. So now the Apple TV 4K is using the same processor as uh, the iPad Pro, the A10X. Um, Apple is updating their iTunes content to support 4K and HDR, which makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and they are also, if you have purchased the HD version of a movie, you get the 4K version of it for free. That's cool. Which is uh, really ni nice. Um, they added live sports content to their TV app, um, which I never use that TV app. Um, and I am not really sure how you would get live sports into it. So that, that feature seems a little bit weird to me. I can't imagine that I would really use it very often. Mm. Um, but then uh, something really cool that uh, we should point out, which was a, a demo from that game company who are... I missed the, this. I heard it was a thing. 
Yeah. yeah. But I forgot to follow that thread. Yeah, what was this? So this was uh, a demo for a new game that that game company is developing. If you're not aware, they have uh, made such games as Flower for the PlayStation and Journey for PlayStation, I don't know, 3, what, where, whenever yeah, that came three out. 3 and 4, yeah. Um, and uh, basically, look, it's a game that looks a lot like Journey, uh, guys in capes that kind of slide around the screen and can ride uh, on 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 waves of air and that sort of thing. I'm um, sold. And it, it's called Sky and is going to be available for the uh, iPhone, iPad, and uh, Apple TV, which is huh. definitely a big get for for Apple to have. Uh, people love that game company. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Journey, such a cool game. I definitely yeah. uh, appreciate having that on my PS4. Um, I didn't see anything. Uh, do you know? Did uh, John Syracuse express any interest or disinterest in this? I assume lots of people brought it to his attention. Yes. 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 He is excited and says he needs to get a, a gamepad for his yeah. Apple TV now. Yeah. So he is in a in a on a uh, a quest to find the proper <laughs> Apple TV gamepad. Dude, I was uh, in such a rush this morning to finish listening to the latest uh, Accidental Tech podcast in the latest talk show episode, so I'd be all caught up before this event. <laughs> and in the Accidental Tech podcast episode, like Marco and John are saying, maybe, maybe it's mostly uh, Marco, just saying like he has multiple uh, game pads for his Apple TV, but what a waste that was. Like nobody really oh, yeah. uses the game pad. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I feel really good. I didn't waste any money on a game pad. Now hearing this, I'm like, oh man, I need an Apple TV gamepad. <laughs> like same day. <laughs> yeah, completely. It's the power these events can have. Yeah. Um, the game didn't look too complicated, so I wonder how beneficial a gamepad actually uh, would be. But mm. we'll we'll see. Um, I'm excited. Like I'll I said, check it, that out. Yeah, it's a big get for them to have this as uh, exclusive. I don't know how long it's going to be exclusive, um, but uh, but we'll see. Um, anything else about the Apple TV 4K? Is, is it the same remote? It is the same remote, except there is a, uh, I, I believe it's a light that's around the menu button, which seems uh. like they are trying to make it easier for you to orient yourself uh, in the dark. Yeah, while you're looking at it, though. Yeah, the problem is I, like, pick it up, and I have no idea which end I'm facing. So I guess, yeah, I guess if I were able to use this new remote, I could just check it out that way. All right, I'll have to reserve judgment on that till I check it out. Yeah. Um. All right, so next in the hit parade, uh, they started to announce what everybody was actually really excited about. I mean, after the Apple Store stuff. Um, and that was some new iPhones. Um, they announced the next uh, ne- next version of the current iteration iPhone, which we were calling the iPhone 7S and yeah. iPhone 7S Plus in the last episode. Um, they decided to skip the, the S version entirely and go straight to the iPhone 8 as a name. I see you yeah. shaking your head. You don't agree they're, with this? They're skipping all kinds of versions. Yeah, <sighs> not to go not to skip ahead here. Yeah, I was uh I was feeling pretty confident about my 7S, 7S plus Me too. Uh, prediction. Um yeah, but they uh they made a fool of us. So yeah, the uh new 
brand new phone that is, yes, lower tier is called the iPhone 8. So in the uh, sequence of events, we're going iPhone 7 straight into the iPhone 8 now. We're, we're skipping the S generation. Welcome to the Apple event where everything is made up and the names don't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but so like this is the small, how do, how do we say it? Like this is the expected like bump phone, right? It's not the big, huge announcement, revolutionary phone. Um, but they crammed a lot into this update. For I sure. Um, we talked last episode about how Apple is going to sell these as a device when basically everybody is going to want the new hotness. And for the most part, I think that they absolutely succeeded at it. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. Um, just, uh, let's see, going down the, the list of things that they announced, um, a glass back. So that you can mm-hmm. now do wireless charging, which not completely unexpected. I think we knew all of that, um, but looks gorgeous. And it is a surprise to me that it is on the new entry level brand new iPhone. It's oh yes, weird to weird to distinguish between the top of the line new iPhone and these ones. Yeah, but I was kind of expecting this to be a premium feature. So it's cool that the entire family of uh, new devices that were announced today support the wireless charging. Yeah, this seems like a technology that they are really keen on pushing forward in the entire industry. And they talked about things like uh, uh, airports or restaurants or car manufacturers, all including wireless chargers that support this uh, Qi standard that the iPhone Mm -hmm. has. Um, which just seems like an amazing world to live in. Um, Because I know you and I both travel a little bit. We've seen, especially in airports, the little kiosks that have every single little cord for every potential phone sticking out of it. And you can walk up there and plug your phone in if you you need a quick charge or whatever. Um, That sort of thing, not only is it uh, potentially inconvenient if somebody is using the cords that, that you need, um, but also potentially unsafe because the way that you plug the phone in for charging is the same one that transfers data. So you don't really know what you're sticking hmm. your dingus into, right? Um, so this this seems like a really cool way to introduce charging in all sorts of convenient places. This is separate from data transfer? Oh, I, I guess I thought so. I mean, iPhone obviously has wireless data transfer, but... Uh, I didn't think that the the pad supported data transfer. Could be wrong. No, you might be right. Um, They're only calling out wireless charging. Yeah, that's interesting, and I hadn't thought about that aspect of it. Yeah, that's kind of neat. The thing that stands out to me about the wireless charging was that there was no first-party Apple charging like pad that was announced for this explicitly. Um, when they were first demoing it, they showed this white circle around the phone. And I'm like, oh, that's the Apple Watch charger. Like we, Mary Beth and I gifted that to you for your birthday like a year or two ago. And I'm like, and that's I still cool love that it. they're, yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. They're reusing it. But that is not the case. Uh, it is, I, I think that actually was the third party Belkin charger that I was looking at. Um, and there's no first party one that Apple's supporting, but it sounds like from the rumor mill that one will be coming, uh, you know, maybe, you know, timeline uh, has not been defined, but it, so it is coming at some point. That's uh, not not rumor mill. They uh, announced a air power charging mat 
at the event yeah, today. I am so curious about that. And not to skip too much ahead, I guess it does it does play into this because it supports wireless charging. Yeah. But this pad is like not that big. Like they're showing the phone and the watch. Um, was there another one? Oh yeah, and AirPods and the new AirPods. Yeah. Yeah, which we needed to talk about, but all on the same pad, uh, which to me was like, that's really short. If they're going to be announcing next event, like a iPad that supports the same technology, they're going to need to come out with a bigger oh. charging pad. So I don't know like what that necessarily means. Is this like a short-term thing and eventually they'll come out with a bigger one if you do have an iPad that theoretically supports this wireless charging model? Um, but immediately that's what stood out to me. So you're right. They they do actually have like a wireless charging pad, but it's more of like a complete ecosystem solution, not just for the phone. Yeah. But I am super excited about a future where I can just have that one pad on my nightstand and just oh, toss everything onto it as I go to sleep and then wake yeah. up and it's all charged. And that that's one thing, but they're also talking about this future where it's like built into different things. Like they have partnerships with Ikea oh where you gosh, can get furniture that has it or like you're in your, you know, whatever hotel room and they have this pad in it or you're driving your Chevy Bolt and like they have the pad in- integrated right into the thing. And I'm like, this is, this future sounds really cool. I can get behind this. Yeah. Uh, completely agree. Um, it's going to be an exciting wireless charging future that we're all going to live in eventually. Um, they announced a couple other things that uh, not like are expected. A, a new CPU that Apple developed, the A11, which is, uh, there's a bunch of them in it. There's like two high performing cores and four power safe ones, and they're all a whole lot faster than last generation. I guess the Geekbench scores for uh, even the new iPhone 8s are just a huge improvement over what was there in the past, you know, blah, 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 it, to be expected, right? Um, they did get a true tone display into even the these iPhone 8s, which is a feature that I have not seen um, on any of my devices, I believe. Is that, is that right? Even the iPad Pro 12.9 inch? So it was the first generation iPad Pro. Does that have two, True Tone? I thought it did. Oh, maybe so, it doesn't, though. Uh, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not as big a deal as I thought, if I don't even know if my iPad Pro has True Tone or not. Um, but people who uh, people who know about this feature, they, they seem to really like it. Um, and if you're not aware, it's basically... Um, like a camera that detects the ambient light mm. in the room and changes the temperature of the screen slightly depending on the lighting conditions to make it always appear, uh, make the colors always appear accurate. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking now, real-time follow-up. So the newest model of 12.9 iPad Pro does support True Tone. The model that you have in your possession, the first gen, does not yes. actually. Good, Okay. So, so you're not, not crazy. going crazy. Uh, fantastic. Um, let's see. What else did we get for the iPhone 8? Um, of course, camera improvements. Um, and really good improvements, too. So I, I have a, uh, I iPhone 7 uh, S. No, I'm sorry. An iPhone 7 Pro that supports the uh, nope. dual camera system. Nope. iPhone 7 not Pro iPhone is not 7. a thing. Oh, my gosh. I'm losing <laughs> it. All these names iPhone 7 Plus. Yeah, Does that's that what you right? got. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
And I am in love with the uh, the camera mode, uh, the camera in this, uh, the portrait mode specifically. So I've like become the de facto photo stream master for both sides of my family, our side and also Mary Beth's side of the family, where it's just expected that I uh, create the photo stream for any given event that we're doing. And then I'm going to be like the main person taking photos. Um, and it's, I, I understand like it's, it's not a begrudging thing at all. I know why, because like the camera is so gorgeous. Uh, and I'm really excited about the new features that are coming out for these dual camera systems. So one of the things, um, that iOS 11 is improving is portrait mode. But I think one of the things that's only enabled on the iPhone eight and the next, uh, topic item we'll discuss is this new portrait lighting mode, which seems very cool. Uh, this is something that I don't think when you're describing to the layperson, like what's new about this new iPhone, you'll bring up. Um, but for folks like you and I, and I have a couple friends who are really into cameras, like this is a jaw dropping feature where, um, dynamically, like before you take the picture or even after the fact, after you've shot the photo, you can change the lighting effect on a person's face. Um, to like dial into different lighting effects. You can say like, simulate like a stage lighting where the entire background like drops away and it's as if a spotlight was shining on your subject um there's just i forget the other modes but there's like some very very cool things that are happening here um and it seems to make something that i consider a killer feature even better like i'm really really excited about this stuff yeah um i don't think that i could ever use a iphone plus as my regular phone, but portrait mode really makes me wish that uh, I could. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm too much of a fan of my skinny jeans, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, these updates to portrait mode, this uh, portrait lighting beta that they're going to be doing uh, seems incredible. They do all of these uh, software lighting updates on the fly too. So you can in real time see how the picture you're about to take is going to look which is going to be uh, really cool and makes me really jealous for you. Although you're saying you think this is iPhone 8 only, not something that's coming to your iPhone 7 Pro. Yeah, I've looked and the portrait lighting stuff will not be coming to 7 Pro. So this is something that's iPhone 8 Plus and we didn't talk about it, but uh, iPhone 10 as well. Yeah. Um, other updates uh, to the camera, they mentioned that they optimized the camera for augmented reality, which I don't know what that means. Um, yeah. They made a big deal about AR kit um, at WWDC. I think when iOS 11 is made public um, on September 19th, I think augmented reality is just going to blow everybody's minds. And Dude. if they put some uh, new technology in the camera that makes things uh, behave a little bit better, think makes things a little bit more accurate in these iPhone 8s, then uh, more power to them. Because augmented reality, I think, is going to be just incredible. Yeah, I've been, you know, just throughout the summer, I've been following uh, some Twitter um Twitter handles that uh, tweet out like different like proof of concepts and like in development apps that take advantage of AR kit. And it is just blowing my mind. The, the initial like POCs that developers are putting out to support this feature. Like I've seen some jaw droppingly cool things. Uh, and so just like thinking, you know, casting that 
forward into the future and seeing like what we could do in a year and like multiple years once we start iterating on this technology like it's it, it is a game changer like i'm i'm bought into the vr ecosystem i have a playstation uh, psvr and i think it's very very cool but uh, i ultimately think vr is going to be niche compared to ar which is you know in everybody's pocket and you don't have to spend five hundred dollars for a headset um or you know more than that like a thousand dollars if you need a computer or a playstation or what have you like this is so accessible and you don't have to put on a headset like i think the ramifications of this like we're still just scratching the surface and i'm so impressed so uh I completely agree. I think uh, I follow a bunch of the same AR kit demo Twitter accounts that that you do, and the stuff that developers are doing is amazing. Uh, to give you a practical example that I was thinking of the other day, um, I, I bought a couch from uh, Crate and Barrel, and it was kind of a pain when I was looking for uh, a couch. Like I had to measure my room and I had to measure my existing couch and then I like wrote down like a measurement diagram in the notes app and then took this to the store and was like oh yeah this this couch is going to be two feet longer than the other one how much room is that going to give us on either side to walk around blah 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 you got room dude if there were an AR kit crate and barrel app that would allow you to select a couch and just drop it in your room and you could walk around it and see like exactly how much space yeah. it's going to take. Like that, that would just change everything. And mm-hmm. that doesn't just apply to furniture. Like you could shop for pictures and picture frames and shelves and you know, eyeglasses, everything colors of paint, like mm-hmm. the app, the oh, practical man. applications of this technology are so exciting. I keep like, uh, coming up with, these examples of things i'm like oh you know i really want to buy so and so but i don't know how it's gonna f- oh my gosh air kit could completely fix this problem for me Our augmented reality in general yeah um so I'm, I'm i'm really excited about this so that's yeah. that's a big tangent based off of camera calibration in yeah. the iphone 8 but can you, can you imagine like what amazon would do with this kind of technology where like you have a app where you can yeah, like in real time, see like, yeah, what are the dimensions of this TV or this couch or this yeah. table or what have you? And then within the same day, it is delivered to your house and you have it. It's like, that is an amazing uh, future vision. And they, yeah, they, they've got to be working on that and just, it's, it's going to change things. It's going to be really cool. Yep. So uh, it sounds like it'll be a little bit better uh, in the iPhone 8 which is great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, uh, example that they brought up too. I, I just really want to touch on this cause I thought it was so cool, but, uh, player info during a baseball game, you hold up your phone hmm. and you point it at the field while you're there. And it shows like little player cards over everybody on the field and you can tap on them and see the stats for that person. How, that how freaking makes a cool. ton of sense. Yeah. I love it. Um, so let's see, that's, that's basically the iPhone eight. Um, they, changed the um storage structure of the iphones both this and the iphone 10 which we're about to talk about um they're both only available in 64 or 256 gigabyte configurations now um Mm -hmm. which you know that's uh i appreciate the simplicity it seems great um i i disagree i don't really i don't think i like that Ooh, okay 
Like uh, Why is that? I'm at I'm at this middle ground where and this actually might be exactly where Apple wants me to be uh, upon reflection. Um, but I have the 128 gig uh, plus model phone of the iPhone 7 right now. And I take a ton of photos. I take a ton of videos, 4K videos, like really high resolution. And I look not too long ago within the last week. And I have 70 or 60 gigs left over of space right now. Uh, and I've been using this for essentially a year now, uh, maybe like 11 months or so. So it, it's seeming like I am right around that 64 gig range. And I consider myself a power user. Like I'm not deleting apps out of my phone as I find out that I don't use them that often. I'm not clearing out old photos from my photo storage. Like I'm just letting this stuff accumulate and I'm paying for the cloud storage for Apple to back up my photos and what have you. Um, maybe that's why it's like less of a hit to me overall. Um, but I think I'm going to get by just fine on 64 gigs. Like I feel like there's no compelling reason for me to get upgraded up to the 256 gig, uh, read, um, uh, storage tier where, 128 gigs is already like overkill for me by like a substantial amount. So at least in my particular use case, I think 64 is going to be completely adequate. But so wait, I th- I thought that you you didn't like that 64 and one two or 64 and two 56 were the only options now, or did it? Yeah, did it, it seemed like you started off making one point there and then. You like took a, a left turn and then made, made yeah. the opposite one at the end. Right. So like from a, a, a consumer perspective, like the Aaron perspective, I feel like 64 is going to be adequate. Like I can make this work. There might be a little bit more um, like a curation on my part where I'm clearing out like the larger files or bigger apps, games, things like that. From an Apple perspective, I think I'm right around that cusp where 64 is not going to be cutting it. Uh, and so there is no 128 gig tier in this uh, lineup. So I would be forced to upgrade to the 256 had I been like just, you know, 10 or 20 gigs over where I am right now. Luckily, like the breakdown works out thusly where, and, you know, I'm taking, uh, I'm doing the cloud storage option for my photos where I think I could get by on 64 gig. For 64 gigs but it might be tight like right now i have all the affordances in the world to just shoot as many photos and videos as i want download as many apps and i never uh, have to even think about curating that collection like cutting down games that i never play things like that but We're i mean going back with, sorry what's that with so with 64 gigs you can still shoot as much photos and videos as your cloud storage will allow. And it sounds like that's the majority of your space, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think 64 gigs is going to be enough for most people, like 75%, 80% of users. And like, if you really need a lot of stuff stored on the device, like the games that you're mentioning, like you've got a whole lot of those and you don't want to clear them off, then you've got the the upgraded model that's right there for you. So Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think what they've done here is pretty smart. I'm, Do you I'm think uh, they have much of a compelling reason for people to jump on the 256 gig bandwagon then? Uh, no, I mean, that's why I'm saying 64, I think, will be good for most people. Yeah, it, yeah it, I'm sitting at uh, 72 gigs free right now. But, I mean, do you have the... Well, I mean, that's kind of misleading, though, because if you had less, 
space available, your phone would be clearing uh, photos and videos as needed and kicking them to the cloud, right? Yeah, I mean, that's assuming I have the cloud storage available, which I do. I pony up the dollar <laughs> ninety nine or whatever it is per month. Yeah. So maybe I'm at um, right where Apple wants me. <laughs> they got you right where they want yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's see. It is uh, $699, 849 or 849 for the regular sized um, at those two storage options um, or 799 or $9. $149 for the plus. That's starting to push a thousand bucks. Um, but not quite. Um not quite. You know, it costs a little bit more. Uh close to a thousand dollars. Oh, I messed it up. That was yeah, gonna be such a good segue. Samsung Galaxy Note 8. That's what you're getting at, right? How, how much does that cost? Uh, you know, someone just told me it's like nine hundred twenty-nine dollars, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Hey, you know what I forgot about is that uh people um make they pay for their phones in payments i I forgot that that was a thing and they like pay 20 bucks a month or 30 bucks a month man i was just having somebody uh attempting to like sell me on the note 8 where they're like i just got this note 8 yesterday it's amazing it does all these things and i felt a little bit bad because every like demo feature that they try to bring up like check out this s pen feature that i can do like it fell on its face every single one like i'm like oh that would be pretty cool if it worked like i wasn't even trying to be mean about it because i didn't bring it up but like they're tried talking like this big game like oh the iphone announced all these things but i have the note 8 right here and it does all of them and like the note 8 is really cool hardware and it is 929 dollars i'm seeing um but everything that they tried doing just it did not work like i felt so bad because i wasn't even trying to like be mean about it but none of it worked um yeah so like you can pay $929 for a Note 8, but I do not recommend it at this point. Yeah. Um, but so uh, speaking of things that didn't work, the the iPhone X uh, got announced. Don't call it iPhone X, by the right. way, yeah. um, which was a surprise to nobody. Um, also includes the Face ID, which is a surprise to nobody. Um, but the first live demo of Face ID failing... Um, I don't know about you. That caught me a little bit by surprise. And Do you know I was why that didn't Kirk. work, though? Well, it looks like it was because the phone had been restarted and needed yeah. to have the passcode entered before Face ID mm-hmm. would work. Yeah, this is not. That was not like a technology issue where like the phone just did not do the thing it was supposed to do. The phone worked exactly right. <laughs> like uh, whoever the stagehand was who set up that display unit, yeah, they're gonna get an earful because they did not unlock the device before Craig picked it up and uh, it was ready to scan his face. Yeah. So yeah, he did have to go to the backup unit, which was a little cringeworthy. But man, Craig is such a professional. Like agreed. It was, like, water off a duck's back. He's like, a it rock did not star. Not even matter. Yeah. And uh, I know that I have been in the situation where I'm giving a demo and something goes haywire. Um, I I can only imagine you've been in a similar situation. So I (laughs) I have absolute apathy for Craig in that moment. Like your brain just short circuits and you're like, oh no, my my worst fear. Empathy, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, So yeah, um, after that uh, short little... uh, issue got worked out um craig was able to demo face id for us and it looks uh it looks pretty sweet in my opinion i don't know what did you think 
Yeah, uh, so they they talk the big game about it. They're talking. They put some numbers out there, and I didn't quite understand what they uh, were were driving at. So maybe you can fill in some blanks here. But the numbers they threw out were like one in fifty thousand like uh, touch ID attempts. What are they trying to say? Like failed, didn't register, like no. just flat out didn't work. No. So it is uh, the so based off of the accuracy that they are able to detect your fingerprint, there is the chance that one in every ten thousand or whatever people will be able to actually unlock your phone using your touch ID that you have set up. They, they, right. Okay. They, they can't make it ex- like a false positive situation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So if you went up to ten thousand people on the streets, then odds are that one of them would be able to unlock your phone uh, with Face ID. Um, that is one out of a million people who would be able to uh, accurately um, unlock your phone for you. Um, looks looks pretty cool. Again, this was spoiled for us, so it, it wasn't really a surprise. Um, it, they they call it the the true depth camera system, which looks like all the components that are taking up the notch on the top part of the phone there. Um, and they've got a whole bunch of sensors. Johnny I've talked about them from his white room. Um, there's an IR sensor and a whole bunch of other things that measure all sorts of things about your face so that uh, if you're wearing glasses, you change your hair, you grow a beard, you uh, have a hat on, it's dark. Um, they can accurately unlock your phone for you. It seems yeah, like they put a lot of work into this. I'm excited. I think it'll be really cool. I love Touch ID, especially with Touch ID 2, um, but I'm excited for this. Yeah. Also worth noting that this is their first crack at uh, releasing a shippable product that uses this technology. And first generation of Touch ID was uh, really slow and a lot less accurate than the subsequent versions that they shipped. So it's going to be really exciting to see what kind of improvements they're able to make with this in the future. Um, Somebody noted on Twitter, it might have been a John Syracuse retweet that Apple did not say that it is faster to unlock your phone with Face ID. Hmm. Um, It was conspicuously absent. Um, But if uh, it is, if it's more secure and it's fast enough, then, you know, maybe it won't even matter. Um, they're also doing a lot of really cool things with these, um, selfie, what do they call it? True depth cameras. Um, and including the emojis, right. Which basically let you take your favorite emojis, such as pile of poo and, <laughs> talk and make faces and record short videos where you are moving your head around as an emoji and send them to other iPhone users, which, uh, looks fun. I don't know if I would say it's useful. Um, but I will say that I could probably see myself using that a little bit more than sending my heartbeat to other people, uh, using my Apple watch. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree that this is more likely to be sent out than my heartbeat. Um, I think this kind of comes down to like what kind of uh, user you are. So I am like still somewhat self-conscious about just sending out selfies willy-nilly. I I don't really, I just never have gotten into that habit. Like I I feel like that's like a slight difference between the two of us. Um, But 
there's like a layer of abstraction when you're mapping it to an animoji where suddenly I feel like a little, I, I might feel a little less self-conscious about sending something like this with a goofy face because it's an analog to whatever expression I'm making. It's not really like my face. Um, and this, like we talked about it and this is one of those situations where people are joking around in the room, like, Oh, blah, 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 emojis. Oh, who cares? And then as like Apple's demo kept going deeper and deeper and you see like they meant, I think this is one of those features where they mentioned machine learning, maybe not. Uh, but they're, like you just went further into the demo and you're like, oh no, this is actually like pretty cool. And by the <laughs> end of it, I'm like, when, when you're like your, uh, you know, your cousin or your sister or like, you know, your uncle, whatever is like, oh, what's so cool about the new iPhone? You're like, well, you can, you know, uh, do these like face emojis where it maps to your, you know, whatever expression you're making, like people love emojis. Like that, that is something that I feel like as we describe uh, this, this device and this operating system, iOS 11, like people are gonna be like, Oh, okay. That like, I need to have that. That sounds really cool. And as they see it, like it'll be even more, uh, even more so. So like, this is something that as they demoed it, I think it kind of got like a lot of like, uh, skeptical kind of glances. Um, but I think this one will stand the test of time. I think people will like this. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of emoji, right? Yeah. Um, definitely. Do you listen to the welcome to Macintosh podcast? No, I don't. I think we've talked about it on the show though. Yeah. Uh, the host, uh, is releasing a series of episodes now where he is going through trying to get a new emoji adopted by the Unicode consortium for uh yoga pose um I, I think that it gets accepted in the end spoiler alert cool. um but like in the episode he goes through the history of emoji and how it started off as a way of in the very beginnings of cell phones being able to uh send images um just by sending a single character through text and both phones just have the same image stored and like especially in the 90s when it was impossible to send data on cell phones it right. was uh uh uh, you know, a way of making text more visual. Crazy that we've gone from that to now animated pile of poo that is accurately reproducing your facial features and moving its lips while you're t- like, we've taken it completely the other direction. I bet uh, each animoji animation that you send a person is going to that, or that you send to your friends is going to be uh, like 50 megs of data. <laughs> yeah, probably. And, and like, it kind of leads into a larger topic that we're going to have to uh, leave where it where it stands right now, which is something I put into our parking log, which is uh, Bitmoji and the uh, communicating in an emoji world. And I like when we're in our uh, technology droughts and we we're, we're looking for things to talk about. I would love for us to explore this topic deeper, but I uh, I'm an emoji convert. I, I definitely believe in the uh, power of emoji and uh, I'm, I'm excited about the an emoji feature I think and, this is something really cool that Apple's doing yeah and I could talk about bitmoji for days so sign me up for that conversation cool, cool, um, cool. the other really big feature I think of the iPhone 10 which uh, again surprise to nobody is this edge to edge OLED display 5.8 inches which is even a bigger display than the iPhone plus um, it's got uh, a higher uh, pixels per inch resolution than any of their other phones at 458 pixels per inch. 
Um, it does HDR, same thing that uh, that the uh, Apple TV 4K is is doing. Better um, contrast ratio. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like uh, the the screen is the killer feature mm-hmm. of this phone, and uh, I don't know if I said it, but they're calling it the Super Retina display. Right, right. Which uh, marketing speak for really really good retina display seems like yeah i was uh again bringing up my uh my buddy ryan who's the designer on my team like this is something that we were talking about because uh the iphone 8 the iphone 8 plus every previous iphone it's had a square screen so when you're designing your ios apps you're designing it for this rectangular layout and this new iphone x it has these rounded corners that yeah i'm sorry iphone 10 Put a dollar oh. in the jar. Oh man, yeah, the X <laughs> jar. X gonna give it to you. Um, X gonna give you a dollar. Yeah, but this is something where like your uh, your app layout is gonna look significantly different on these two brand new devices. So like it's this interesting design challenge, and I know Apple refreshed their HIG human in- interface guidelines. Um, to kind of address this new phone and this new display. But I'm really curious about like, do you design for this new top of the line phone that only a certain segment of clients are going to be getting? Or do you design for the more wide reaching uh, rectangular design that the iPhone 8 plus the iPhone 8 and every previous iPhone will respect? Like it's this kind of interesting uh, uh, layout like conversation that we're opening up now because the two top of the line phones have uh, somewhat i think pretty substantial differences in the uh, ui yeah um i don't know if you saw but apple actually released a new wwdc video shortly oh, did they? after they made the iphone 10 announcement um it's titled something like designing for the iphone 10 or developing for the iphone 10 and it's 15 minutes i haven't had a chance to watch it yet but i'm curious about uh to, to your point, what options are available and uh, what what sort of best practices they they recommend there. We'll find out. Unrelated to that, I'm hanging out on the uh, Apple.com compare iPhone models uh, uh, section of their, their site. And I'm just kind of playing around between the different, you know, the iPhone 10, the iPhone 8, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at the different colors that uh, are rolling out this year, and it looks like we have no jet black. I'm I'm kind of surprised by that, actually. I like my jet black iPhone, even though it's in a case, and I'm surprised that they're not bringing that color back. So oh, you it looks know why? Like, well, why? No, I don't. Why? Because of the, they've got to do glass backs. But they they have different colors. They have silver and space gray. They just couldn't do jet black, I guess. I think a big selling point of the jet black was the uh, texture of it uh, as well. The the kind of grippy sure. grippiness. Um, it's a one off, huh? Yeah, I guess. Now, uh, now the classic jet black. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I I can understand that. I guess I I appreciate the uh, jet black and the grippiness of it, even though I'm kind of. Uh, squandering that functionality because I'm using a case, but yeah, I I guess like when I was first seeing the the video, it struck me that I wasn't seeing as much space gray as I was silver, so I was worried for a second that I would be like forced into one color scheme. So I'm at least relieved to see I have two, but it was a little bit of a surprise that there was no jet uh, jet black. But I suppose that makes sense. 
So uh, what color do you have your eye on? Oh, the, the space, space gray. gray. Come All on, the way. Yeah, of course. Although I got to tell you, man, my first uh, impression of that camera bunk, camera bump, was that it is hideous. Like I am not a fan of the look of this. Like maybe I'll change my opinion in person, um, but it looks strange. Like I don't know. Do you have any impressions to how this camera bump looks? Because it's different than the other models. Like the other ones, um, the the two camera system on the iPhone eight plus, it's a horizontal layout where this one's a vertical layout. And it has a much more prominent uh, flash as well. Do you have any impressions on the uh, the look of the camera bump on this one? I do. Um, I agree with you. I think it looks stupid. Um, but <laughs> we will get over it after about 10 minutes. And most people are going to put cases on. So I think yeah. the bump can get even significantly larger than this without impacting people's lives too much. Yeah, and that is exactly you know how I uh, I rationalized it to myself is that I'll immediately be slapping this thing into a case. Um, but I I have a similar impression of the edge to edge display where I'm like, oh, in promo photos, this looks a little goofy. Um, but I think it will look amazing in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you there. Um, but these gradient uh, backgrounds that they have, mm-hmm. like the color swirls. Um, I want these as my actual backgrounds like yesterday. Yeah. I, I, I know you love gradient backgrounds. I do. Yes. Um, I even went so far as to uh, ship an app called gradient backgrounds for creating them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, hideous camera bump. What are you going to do? Ooh, you know, one thing I am extremely excited about for this uh, new iPhone 10 um, that my current phone doesn't do that I would love it to do is a uh, portrait mode on the front facing camera. I think that is friggin' amazing. I, so I think cool. we we called this last episode. Did um, we? Yeah, I, I definitely want it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even as someone who doesn't send selfies willy nilly, to to use your words, um, I think that uh, it is going to be a oft used feature and this would mean that you're able to do the uh, new portrait mode dynamic lighting through selfie mode on the iphone 10 is that correct Uh, i think that's right yeah portrait lighting beta yeah that's right yeah so that's it's going to be awesome it's going to lead to some incredible selfies again just like how you're never supposed to bet against the emoji never bet against the uh the selfie yep um, other, uh, improvements in iPhone 10 land. Um, I guess it gets two additional hours of battery compared to the other iPhone models, which yeah. ain't nothing. It's, it seems like they're making good use of, of the space that's available to them. Do you see, uh, I don't like, I have this page up so I can reference it. The way that they reference the battery life for the iPhone eight plus and the iPhone eight is it quote unquote lasts about the same as iPhone seven and lasts about the same as iPhone seven plus. And then for the iPhone 10, they say lasts up to two hours longer than the iPhone seven. It's like, they don't put any numbers on it. They just say like, if you have this phone expect about the same Yeah. 
Or if you get the newest one, expect about two hours more, but they're not putting any firm numbers on it, but they still want to announce that it's better. Yeah. Well, they've talked themselves into a corner because they've said repeatedly how the iPhone 7s and now the iPhone, well, I guess they're not saying it for the iPhone 8s, but they keep hammering this point of all day battery life, Mm -hmm. right? And which is basically 10 hours, I think is what they say is all day. And so like the iPhone 10 is all day battery life plus, plus two hours. So (laughs) if they were to say that uh, all day and more, (laughs) yeah, it'd give the impression that it's 20, 26 hour battery life, which is not the case. Mm. Right, right, right. Um, and, uh, only other thing that I've got in my notes about the iPhone 10 is, uh, update to the multitasking. Uh, where you can right. swipe up from the bottom because, again, there's no room on the front for a home button on this thing. So you swipe up and uh, let, let's see. what How does it work? You, you swipe up from the bottom to go home. And if you mm-hmm. swipe up and continue to drag, you enter the multitasking uh, interface. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so um, people were saying that it's very reminiscent of WebOS and looks uh, looks pretty slick in the demos. I didn't watch super closely, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, uh, people people get used to this. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things right up there with the rounded corners. You know how you're going to design your app around that. Um, that I'm most excited about about this new phone. And it was the same when the iPhone uh, 6 Plus came out and they supported like a landscape mode on the springboard. Like I was so amped that this was a software feature that you could only get using this hardware. Um, And same thing, like I am so excited with the concept of, uh, yeah, this like new multitasking mode that's only available with this iPhone 10 that doesn't have the physical home button because everything is done through swipe gestures. Um, so this is like one of the things that I'm most excited to see how it performs uh, in person, like as you're actually using it. Like I, I think this is pretty neat, but it's really hard to discern how it will feel through the demo video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it uh, sounds like you're going to find out the uh, the iPhone 10 starts at um, 9.99, like we said, for 64 yeah. gigabytes. Um, it sounds like you've got your heart set on the uh, the uh, the space gray. Yeah, the 64 gig space gray. I think so. The uh, the last thing that I wanted to bring attention to was um, so it was, it's actually something I was unaware about until again this morning when I was wrapping up the ATP episode uh, with. Apple events, uh, rumors and recaps where John Syracuse had mentioned that the, uh, telephoto lens of the iPhone seven plus probably six plus, uh, or six S plus as well, um, didn't support the uh, optical image stabilization. So you would hit that like two X button in the camera app. If you have the dual camera setup and you'd go from this optical stabilized, uh, image into like a slightly shakier zoomed in version. And I love using that zoom in feature because I am able to zoom in before I take the picture, which lots of people who use their iPhones love to do, but they're doing this like pinch to zoom digital op, you know, zoom in thing, which looks terrible and I hate it. And I could do <laughs> this like zoom in that didn't affect the image quality quite as much. Um, but it turns out it still was affecting the image quality because it wasn't using digital optical image stabilization where now the uh, um, it, I guess it's only the iPhone uh, 10 actually will support both of the two back-facing cameras 
uh, having OIS. So that would be pretty neat. Although it didn't like really affect the day-to-day -day use of my camera, it'll just make the pictures that much better. Mm. See, like this is a whole world that I'm not super familiar with as a non-member of the Plus Club. But uh, I, I challenge you, man. I feel like you could, uh, you could, you could surpass the Plus. Like I think you have strong constitution and character. Like you might be able to do it. It, it might be close, and you might hate your life for a moment. But I think you could uh, get past it. You just got to get through that hating your life moment. Yep. <laughs> and it'll all be worth it. I think you, you, you could do it, though. Of anyone, you could do it. No, I do have perseverance, but we'll find out. Um, the uh, iPhone 10, uh, like we said, starts at 999 for 64 gigabytes, 1149. Um, that's 1100 and $49 uh, for the 256. Um, this uh, doesn't... Uh, make itself available for pre-order until October, the oh, end of so October. So far away. You gotta, you gotta wait, man. Yeah, um, I sure do. Doesn't ship until a week after that, November third. So, um, if uh, if this is what you're gonna be getting, you you gotta wait a little while. Yeah, I think it'll be worth it. Like I think we mentioned in the last episode, I'm about to be leaving for vacation, and I was worried about how ordering this phone will go while I'm uh, checked out. Uh, and it sounds like I don't have to worry about that at all until right around uh, the Halloween, the hollow, hollow weekend time. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's basically it. Did we hit everything for the event? Anything else you, you want to discuss? Um, oh, you know, there was one last thing and it yes. was, uh, AirPods. So they, they, oh, yes. I like, I think this is one of those things that I had stepped out of the room for. So can you tell me about these AirPods that support wireless charging? Is this like a separate case we have to buy? Is this a skin we can put on the existing case? Like how does this stuff work? Yeah. Um, I haven't looked into it. And in fact, I didn't even note it in my notes. Um, but I do remember from watching the event that it was billed as, um, a new case that you could get. So I don't know if you can buy the case, uh, as a standalone for, you know, less than the price of getting all new AirPods. Um, but it, it does seem like it's the case. It has a battery indicator that's on the outside instead of on the inside. Um, I see it looks like you were looking it up on the internet. Can you confirm or deny any of these things I've said? I don't think I see it on the Apple site. Oh, okay. Anyway, I think it's the case. Um, maybe it's not, and you have to buy all new AirPods. Um, that That would suck. I mean, even getting a new case kind of yeah, sucks a little yeah. bit we we just got bucks these things. for a new case yeah. yeah um but yeah i mean if you want to use the uh what is it called the the mat uh the the apple mat the the charging mat oh yeah that's right um then you get the biggest bang for your buck if all your stuff can use it so if you got the money to spend maybe you should go for it yeah all right, man. I think that that will do it. Yeah, this has been a uh, just jam-packed episode. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, though. There's a lot to unpack. Just imagine if all this were a surprise. We'd be talking until well into the night. Yeah. Dude, what happens if you have something that comes to you at the last minute after we record and, like, someone wants to figure that out? Like, you know, what what'd you have on your mind? Is there any way that people could, like, get in contact with you or, like, you know, pick apart those thoughts? In fact, I can be reached via the internet. Uh, 
my Twitter account is at Adam Comp. Uh, I also have a blog that has other information about me, um, www.adamcomp.com. Um, but you know, I don't know that people will be contacting me so much as you. Um, is there a way that people can, can reach out to you, Aaron? Yeah, sure. So if you want to talk to me about, uh, different Sylvester Stallone movies or what have you, Apple (laughs) technology events, feel free. Uh, I am also on the internet at Twitter. Uh, you can reach me at Aaron comp on Twitter. Uh, I am also on Instagram at Aaron comp, hit me up on Facebook at Aaron comp. Uh, and I have a website, which is AaronComp.com. Uh, if you want to get in contact with this podcast, it has its own social media presence. So feel free to hit up at TechDownFM or uh, navigate your web browser to TechDown.FM on the internet. All right. Sounds good, man. I think that's a wrap. I mean, this was a great episode, dude. <laughs> yeah, you had fun? I had a ton of fun. I have to pee so bad, though. <laughs>